0: Oh, so this is the thanks I get for working overtime. OVERTIME! You think you know me.
1: Here we go, live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Dawson Wise, Jace Brown joining you on a Tuesday night, 865-546-8200, your number, if you want to hop in and join us. Uh, coming up in the hour, we'll begin with Vall's Bracketology, as Joe Lenardi has released his updated Men's Bracketology. Uh, we'll dive into what you know about Tennessee baseball opening the 2024 season this week, and as always, we'll give our best bets at the end of the hour, so a lot to stay tuned here for on this hour. Let's dive right into it. Vols Bracketology ESPN's Joe Lenardi releases updated men's Bracketology on Monday, updating the college basketball world on the current standing of the big dance. Lenardi slated the 17-6 and six Volunteers as the 8th best team and the lowest ranked 2 seed in the tournament, same standing as we were last week. Um, This time last week, before we played LSU, Um, the one seeds consisted of Purdue, UConn, Arizona, and Houston. Um, Two seeds consisting of Marquette, UNC, Kansas, and Tennessee. Uh, Kansas losing once again last night on the road to Texas Tech. I tweeted it out um, while watching the game. It was very similar, um, a very similar beatdown to what A&M did to Tennessee. Um, Kansas could not shoot the ball well. Uh, Texas Tech was able to do whatever they wanted and, and what they wanted to do, and that was play through their three guards. Um, Darion Williams for Texas Tech had 28 points on 11 of 11 shooting and 11 rebounds. He was on Ooh. fire. Um, and Hunter Dickinson on one possession missed four one-footers in a row. Would get the rebound, nice. put it back up, put it back up, miss, miss, miss. Um, they were struggling, obviously missing Kevin McClure. Um, that was a big miss for them. Mm. Um, but as we've talked about for a while now, it's kind of the theme of college basketball. Um, no team is safe any night. Um, it doesn't matter if you're the number one team. doesn't matter if you're a, a you know on the fringe, top 25 team. Every night, you've got to play your best basketball because you never know who's on the other side. Unranked Texas Tech last night, able to get a signature win for their season. Um, but now let's kind of focus more towards the Vols, um, are the Vols falling back to the lowest
2: two-seed fair after the loss this weekend? I think it probably is. I mean, it was an embarrassing loss. Uh, yeah. It was not a performance of a number 1 seed, in my opinion, uh, at all. Uh, again, like you said, Vols could not get anything going offensively, and AM, did whatever they wanted to. Uh, and I think the most – and I'm sure you guys talked about this yesterday – but I think the most glaring difference between the teams was on the glass. Holy right. cow. Yeah, yeah uh, it was bad. They destroyed us on the glass on both ends of the floor – uh, and that ultimately decided the game. It, it, to me, you can make an argument. It's a good A and M team. Maybe you don't drop us as much because that's a very scrappy, good team. They're playing at home. Reed Arena is so tough to win at. But at the end of the day, you got to go and win games. If you're the number five team in the country going into that game, you have to win that game. Uh, there's no excuse to to not only lose but get you know get beaten down in in the game on the road against an unranked team. Uh, it, you can't lose those games by double digits. If that's a, a nail biter, or if you go in and pull one off, even if it's a close win. You stay where you're at. I think I don't even think you move. Um, but getting getting down by double digits, losing by double digits, that doesn't help. You got opportunities to get it back. Um, you know, by no means is this you know a death sentence to the to the one seed. Uh, you can still get it back. We saw Kansas lose last night. Obviously, those one seeds. We'll talk about them a little bit later. They still have a tough path to go. Uh, with the rest of the way this season, so you got opportunities to get it back, but that certainly does not help.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's fair for the lowest two seed right now. Uh, I kind of think it goes back, like you said, William. It's just uh, these top teams taking care of business. None besides Purdue and UConn have really taken care of business in these uh, really important ball games as of late. And you know, it it really starts. It's starting to feel like it's just going to be a revolving door between those last two one seeds and all those two seeds just going back and forth. Like, oh, one slips up, uh, falls back down. Someone jumps up, they're going to slip up and fall back down. So it feels like that's kind of how how it's going to go. But for right now, yeah, I think it's fair. Mike could have swapped with Kansas just because that Kansas one was really really ugly last night. Uh, I wouldn't maybe uglier than the Vols one uh, just by a scoring difference, but. But uh, I still think it is very fair for them to be the bottom two seed right now.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to fall back. Um, now, considering what Kansas did last night, and, and again um, their second straight week of losing a uh, a road contest midweek, and they also lost to Iowa State, and Iowa State's a good ball club too. Texas Tech is good as well. It's not like there's some scrubs. No. Um, but Kansas State is not on the same caliber as Iowa Iowa State or or Texas Tech. So, um I honestly would probably put Tennessee as the seventh um, yeah. s- number two seed, uh, or I guess seventh overall, number three out of the four two seeds. Now, I know Kansas has the head-to-head, um, but when you look at what they've done as of late in conference play, um, Kansas has a loss to West Virginia, who's a bottom, if not the worst team in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have a convincing win over Houston. That's a great win, but, I mean, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Mm -hmm. UCF. Those are, I mean, those are a lot of losses in conference play, and the Big Twelve's competitive, but so is the SEC. Yeah, Um, and and Tennessee has lost Mississippi State, um, A and M, and who's the third? South Carolina. Carolina. Um, And I I mean, I I don't know. You could argue that those three losses are better than the five losses that Kansas has suffered. Um, So I, I would probably say seven overall, three second seed. Um, I, I think that'd be fair, but I do understand them dropping. All right, back to the hypotheticals. We do this every week now. Our bracketology. Um, Joe Lenardi slates the Vols in Purdue's bracket once again. Um, the number one seed, Purdue, uh, would take on the combination of either Southern or Eastern Kentucky. Um, you know, 116 matchup. And then eight, Florida, a team we've already seen once this season, and and did well in that one. Taking on Washington State, who's had a really good couple of weeks in the Pac-12, um, has uh, managed to climb the the standings in the Pac-12, I should say, over the last couple of weeks. They've done really good. Um, then number 5 seed, San Diego State. This is a team um, in the Final Four last year. They got a big matchup tonight against Colorado State. Um, but this is another team, a veteran group, really good mm. defensively. Don't know if you want to see them. McNeese State at the That's 12th scary. seed. Coached by Will Wade. Uh, SEC oh, fans yeah. will remember yeah. him at LSU. Um, another uh, another sneaky team that's done well at the mid-major like level. 21-3 right yes. now. It's yeah, really, yes, Um really good. Um, and then you have Dayton at the four-seed, another mid-major team that's been really nice this year. They're legit. Um, taking on Akron, um, who I've watched a couple times this year, at an okay club. Um, and then that sixth-seed, Florida Atlantic, a team we remember from last year. A little bit of a disappointing start, uh, and not as – I guess not as um, – Good of a season as they probably had hoped for. They haven't looked as great in a lot of these wins and a couple of them losses. But Florida Atlantic, a team we saw last year, um, and we know how that went. Um, the eleven seed's New Mexico, a team I really like, and Ole Miss, another team we've already seen once this year and handled business. Um, Iowa State at the three seed. Um, we're just talking about Iowa State's big win over Kansas. They're a really good club. Got a nice win at home against TCU on Saturday. Um, and then Eastern Washington at the four, 14th seed. And then the 7-10 game, Um, the winner of this game would most likely play Tennessee. Um, Utah State and Butler. Um, Butler's a really scrappy team. Got a big win over Creighton a couple weeks ago on the road. Um, Utah State has managed some big wins as of late as well. Uh, Tennessee would be in that 2-15 matchup against Troy. Um, Hypothetically, I know I'm not a hypothetical
2: guy, but what stands out about this Vols possible match? To me, the first thing is it's an easier path to the Sweet 16. I know we just talked about the big wins those two teams have gotten, but I like the path of Troy and then either Utah State or Butler better than I did a couple weeks ago when yeah. looking mm-hmm. at where the Vols would have fallen in the bracket. I like that a lot better. Uh, Utah State probably the best of those three. Uh, and, yeah, they've had some big wins, but they've also looked shaky uh, at a lot of times during the season. Um, I think we've even talked about they were a little bit overrated, overanalyzed, if you will, on this Mm -hmm. show a couple times. So I like that path to get to the Sweet 16. From there, though, daunting. Uh, I don't like that Sweet 16 game at all. Uh, FAU eliminated you last year. Uh, You never want to see that team again, uh, the team that knocked you out the year before. Uh, But I think the more daunting team is Iowa State. That's a really good team. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm that we didn't really expect to be a really good team. Uh, just gotten a, a, f- a few huge wins in conference play over Kansas, Houston, teams that at the beginning of the year I just did not see them beating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like either right. of those matchups for Tennessee at all, just considering what they were able to do, especially against a team like Houston who plays so well defensively. I don't like that matchup for Tennessee who also plays well uh, defensively in that game from there you're looking at purdue or Dayton and that's going to be a tough matchup no matter what we've seen purdue already uh, I like the idea of a rematch I think we're playing way better basketball mm-hmm. than we were when we saw them in Maui uh, and then Dayton they're legit I- I'm really high on the Flyers uh, I yeah. think they're they're the best team not in the power five uh, and they're going to be one of those scary tournament teams come tournament time I think yeah uh, now with the schedule that they played so Easier to get to the Sweet 16. From there, though, uh, a couple daunting games await.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're on the bottom side of this just because, yeah. uh, like you said, that McNeese State, State team under Will Wade is just off and running right now. I mean, 21-3, and three, it's like – uncanny how will wade has just translated all his success over from uh the sec down uh to a mid-major school down there uh but i i really agree with you on the sweet 16 run i think it's probably the easiest of anybody up there because i mean florida's uh on a little bit of a heater right now they've played their best basketball as of late and they're starting to uh turn the corner up there so i'm uh kind of worried about seeing them late as well Uh, I've, i've heard jimmy dyke say don't be surprised if you see them as a uh, second weekend team uh, in this upcoming tournament this year, so uh, you know you really don't want to run into that Florida Atlantic team just because they know uh, how to play you, uh, and they played you really well that way last year. Uh, and like you said, Iowa State's just scary, man. Yeah, they're they're scary good for no reason, just coming out of left field. So uh, not the best pull that they could have gotten, but a lot lighter than last week's.
1: I'm actually a fan of the pull, really. Um, yeah, I think you have a favorable matchup against Troy. Um, and then just I mean, that's one of those games you'll just win with your talent, especially right. with a guy like Connect Troy doesn't have the personnel to defend no. that. Um, then you go to Utah State and Butler. Um, these are two teams that have been hot and cold throughout the year. Um, Butler's got um, this big guard; I can't remember his name, but he he puts up around uh, 15 points a night. He's a, a beefy guy, um, and and they get they they're just streaky is a problem. Um, so you get Utah State or Butler in this one. Um, you could either get their best or get one of their worst, one of those Mm -hmm. kind of toss-up games. But um, you hope Tennessee is able to play uh, some of their best basketball in this situation. So the the path to the Sweet 16 uh, I don't think is a a very tough one. Now, however, um, I think Florida Atlantic would cause some problems, especially with um, Vlad Golden, a huge – I mean, that's a big guy down low. We've seen struggles so far this year against uh, post-presence like that. Um, New Mexico, I think, could also um, possibly upset Florida Atlantic in this situation. I I think New Mexico has got a really nice Mm -hmm. combination of some uh, freshmen, some veterans, and they're also coached by Richard Pitino, and he's always going to do a a really good job having those guys ready to play. Um, And Iowa State, too. I mean, you got three teams from that group. Um, that I think could all pose a problem for Tennessee. Um, all all different types of play styles, and, and some of them um, could be a, a little problematic. Now, I will say New Mexico um, is a team that likes to get out and run. Tennessee has done well in games this year where you play against teams that like to run. Alabama, for instance, yep. Florida, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, Max pointed out something last night, Dawson, I, I thought was really cool. Uh, not really cool, but just really um, a, a nice point, I should say. Um, Tennessee, when you look at their losses this year, a lot of them come against teams that like to get it, get set up in the half court and yeah. don't like to play in transition. No,
2: yeah.
1: Um, so um, that's something I also look for um, in some of these matchup. Butler is a team that likes to play in the half court. Utah State's a little bit more run and gun. Um, Iowa State, uh, a mixture of both, but they like to get out and run. Um, New Mexico is very run and gun. They like to go quickly, get it up mm-hmm. the court. Um, Florida Atlantic uh, is kind of a mixture of the two. Yeah. Um, but really, when you just look at the the I guess uh, six possible teams to get to the elite eight level, um, I think it's a favorable path. Obviously, um, a matchup with Purdue would be a tough one. But if you know a, a Florida or a San Diego State or a Dane could pull an upset there, then that's where you have an opportunity, a, a golden opportunity uh, to get to the final four. Yeah. Um, so now let's refer to the remaining, I guess the, the, the four number one seeds right now. Uh, and look at their remaining schedule. So let's begin with Purdue, um, and they've been so hot as of late. And, and the Big Ten's not that good, at least um, at, the, at the bottom of the league and middle of the league. But uh, Minnesota at Ohio State, Rutgers-Michigan, Michigan State at Illinois, and they ho- finish at home against Wisconsin. Um, looking at that schedule, um, I see a, a tough matchup on the road to Illinois but you get Michigan State and Wisconsin both at home,
2: Um, I I don't really see a a path where they fall out of the number one seed, guys. This uh, is where I I had written down that this is the most doubtful of the four I think that you catch. They just, they got a favorable end of the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's nothing you can control if you're Tennessee in in this case, they just, they happen to get some of these matchups at home uh, where you've already played Wisconsin on the road. Uh, They still, I think, could pose a problem maybe on, on the road in that game, but Illinois is their biggest test left, and and that's about it. And with the Vols tests that are still left, uh, it's not very favorable.
1: Um, Now let's look at UConn, uh, another team that's been red hot after their um, championship last year. They play um, at DePaul tomorrow, and they're uh, gosh awful. (laughs) Um, An interesting one on Saturday, however, against Marquette, a a very Mm -hmm. good Marquette team that's been on the rise as of late. They get them at home. Um, and then they go on the road to Creighton, a, a team they lost to last year. And then you go Villanova, Senol at home, at Marquette, at Providence. Um, Providence is a bubble team. They've been playing some good basketball under Kim English. Uh, at Marquette, I think, a tough one, especially right. a night game. Um, so looking at that remaining schedule... Thoughts on UConn's
2: path. This is where I get into a little bit of starting to think about the possibilities. I mean, this is not an easy schedule, um, yeah. but you still it, it's it's still somewhat doubtful. UConn is probably talent wise the best team in the country. Yeah. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, just as a unit, I think they're they're head and shoulders above the rest of the country. Uh, the, the these are some tough conference games against teams that are going to need to win. Uh, you're looking at teams like Nova and Seton Hall. Those teams in the Big East are pesky. Mm-hmm. They're really pesky yeah. in some of these games late in the year. Providence to end the season. At Providence. Can, so can, yeah. can Kim English you know, knock knock down UConn in the last game of the year and potentially a game that could send them to the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament? Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see. And then, obviously, two matchups with Marquette. That's a top-five team for a reason. They're, they're elite. Yeah. So, it's a lot tougher. This one's where the possibility starts to come in, I
3: think. Yeah, yeah, the Big East, for some reason, always towards the end of the season starts looking a little more daunting the more you look at it. And, I mean, you throw in, like you said, you got two against Marquette right you get two more uh, you get Providence on the road Creighton's still in there uh, and you mix in a Seton Hall and a Villanova it's just like man I don't want to play any of these teams right yeah. now so uh, I, I think looking at uh, all these top four I think that might be the most scary of the rest of them uh, but this team by far has the best chance to win out for all of those
1: yeah when I look at UConn's remaining schedule I look at Creighton that's a tough matchup uh, you know Creighton's a team that is um, struggled as of late, lost a couple of ones they should have. They lost at home against Butler, uh, lost a one against Providence on the road in overtime. Um, I could see Creighton matches up well against UConn uh, with Kaut Brenner, um, yeah. able to guard mm. Um And I, I'd argue that um, some of Creighton's guard play is, is almost as good or better um, than, than UConn. And the Marquette one's interesting. Marquette, I think, will have the – um, Disadvantaged size-wise, Marquette's really strong around the perimeter. Don't have that really strong figure in the paint, so it'll be interesting to see how they're able to pull that one off. Um, but Providence, I think, is one of those games as well, where you look at it and, and, and say, look, Providence at the end of the season very well could need that win to get into the tournament playing at home. Those are the type of games where you see a slip-up. So um, three road games against Crane, Marquette, Providence, um, that's where you could see a little bit of change there. Um, Arizona, a team that got a big win over Colorado this past weekend and at Utah on Thursday, they've won uh, five in a row after a embarrassing loss against Oregon State a couple weeks ago. Um, they finish out with Arizona State, Washington State, Washington at Arizona State, Oregon, UCLA. U- or, uh, excuse me, at UCLA at USC. Um, I think this is by far the weakest or, or one of the weaker schedules yeah. outside yeah. of Purdue. Um, but Arizona has struggled on the road, but as of late, you know, back-to-back wins against Utah and Colorado; those are teams with some good, um, good players and capable of winning a game, especially at home. Um, and they also beat Oregon uh, on the road as well. Um, looking at this remaining schedule, does Arizona uh, have any chance to drop out?
2: I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, this is where you kind of, you know, on on paper, especially before the year, the way they started the year, I probably would have said absolutely not. they they're, they're going to win out. The way they played in conference play, though, gives me some pause. makes me pump the brakes a little bit. This is a, this is a weird team. I mean, they have mm. so much talent to be losing to Washington State. Uh, they should not be losing to, to teams like that. So it gives me a little, bit of, a little bit of pause. It is the weakest schedule. Now a win over Colorado, a, a dominant win over Colorado. Yeah. They looked really yeah. good in that game. Um, gives them a little bit more chance, I think, to win out. Maybe they figured it out. Um, but for now, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit because Oregon State and Washington State showed you can beat Arizona in mm. conference play. Uh, And these are, again, not going to be very easy games for some teams that are going to have to probably win to get into the tournament.
3: Yeah, the only thing that keeps me from saying that they're going to drop out of that one seed is uh, that five-game win streak that they're on. They've really started to found their footing as of recent. Uh, And, of course, this is a very favorable schedule in their uh, their hands. And, I mean, there's no reason that they shouldn't win out and just lock down a one seed. Uh, Now, again, this is a team that we've seen lose horrible games, like you said, to Oregon State. That was just a mess of a game. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them go down to, like, Arizona State or something, just drop a random one. uh, But I wouldn't bet on it.
1: Yeah, Arizona third in the country in points per game, eighth in rebounds per game, sixth in assists per game. They get it done at all three levels. Last team uh, are the Houston Cougars. And I think this is one of, um, if not the toughest schedule remaining, especially with how competitive the Big 12 is. Um, You play Texas on Saturday Saturday. Um, and then you have Iowa State at home at Baylor um, versus Cincinnati at Oklahoma at UCF versus Kansas this is a tough tough end for them in my opinion. Um, I mean all of these teams really outside of UCF I think are capable of I mean it could be almost a coin flip situation I think they're capable of winning um, Oklahoma I have reserves about they have been they've been hot and cold as well. We'll see how they do against Baylor tonight. Um, But Kansas towards the end of the season, that's usually when they're playing their best basketball. Um, And, you know, it's also a revenge spot for for Houston playing at home. Be interesting to see how that game goes. At Baylor's an interesting one. Texas on Saturday, too. Texas is a really streaky team as well. Uh, Max Amos has been so good um, this season at times. And then other times he's kind of been a no-show. It's just kind of how the Big Twelve is. It's really hot and cold. I think this is the tough schedule, or
2: toughest schedule remaining. This one's brutal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is not a great draw for Houston with how competitive this last one seed is going to be. Uh, this is the closest thing I think to what Tennessee's schedule is the yes. end of the year. Yes, uh, you know, we still have to play Auburn, Kentucky, Bama, South Carolina again. We have big games left still. Uh, this is the closest schedule to ours. This is the team I think we could see us flip places with if we were to to get some big wins. Uh these this is just I mean brutal. If you get a good version of Texas on Saturday, I mean you get them and Iowa State back to back in the span of a week. That is yeah. brutal. And then at Baylor, uh just those three games could flip mm-hmm. the one seed at this point because I mean that's Texas team that could absolutely beat anyone in the country if they show up. Iowa State, who has beaten pretty much every other team above them in the Big Twelve, and then Baylor, who's done the same thing. They're ranked inside the top fifteen. This is this is really tough. And then they end it with Kansas to where, you know, if the other one seeds are playing, like Purdue's got Wisconsin at home, Arizona's got USC, and you have to play what's going to be a top five Kansas team, at that point also fighting for a number one seed. This this yeah. is brutal. This is the most vulnerable spot
3: in my Yeah, it's, it's just that late – or just the Big 12 schedule in general. I mean, it, it, again, I've, I've been saying it for several weeks at this point. It's just this conference just likes beating each other. And it doesn't take away from how talented and how good these teams are. It's just – one night one team shows up, another night the the team doesn't. So, yep. I mean, that that's just kind of the ebbs and flows of that Big 12 conference. Now, I, I like how you said that's probably the most comparative uh, schedule remaining as to Tennessee, because Tennessee rounds out with four ranked opponents in a row as of right now, and they still got A&M at home still to fight through as well. So, whenever you put that that together, uh, Tennessee's going to really have to pull it together, hope for some big losses from uh, the likes of Carolina and Marquette. Uh, so, I mean, the, the road to the one seed is, is pretty uh, jammed up right now.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a tough schedule. Uh, real quick, just want to give a reminder before we hit the phones of Tennessee's upcoming schedule. Uh, obviously, Arkansas tomorrow night, Vanderbilt at home on Saturday. And then you go at Missouri, um, uh, not a good team, probably the worst in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then AM at home, Auburn at home, and then you have a, a tough road skid with Alabama and South Carolina, and you end – um, with Kentucky at home. I see an opportunity, especially starting tomorrow night at Arkansas, to rack up, you know, possibly um, five wins in a row. I mean, playing at home where Tennessee's been really good against AM in a revenge spot in Auburn, um, that's always going to be a hostile game, especially when Bruce Pearl comes back to town. Yep. Um, that, that's an opportunity right there to move the needle. Um, let's head to the phones, however, 865-546-8200. Your number, if you want to hop in and join us. We've got Roberto. On the line, what's Robert? What's up, Roberto?
4: What's up, uh, gents? I hope you're having a great day.
1: You as well. Thank you for calling in.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I love your show. Thank you. Um, I, uh, yeah, man, this whole this whole uh, where does Tennessee fall out thing. If you told me right now, though, that we draw Purdue as the, our number one seed and we're a two, I would take that and run as yeah, fast as I could. Two. Yeah, uh, I don't think they get us twice. Because I don't think they're going to get forty-eight foul call or forty-eight free throws against us right. the next time they play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that's the reason they won the game. We were better than them. I know that sounds crazy to people because we got beat pretty soundly. We were better than them the entire game.
1: Yeah. Well, you had you had the free throw differential, and also you got in foul trouble, which put a total disadvantage. Yeah. Um, their
4: late yeah. now. I will say that the the biggest worry I have is is heavy, uh, you know, heavy front courts. Yeah um but i mean we neutralized zach Eady pretty well in that first half and i think if that's the game plan and here's the deal too rick Barnes, he don't lose to teams twice yeah that don't happen even in march that does not happen
1: yeah that that is true and Uh, also purdue in the tournament has not been good over the last couple of years
4: oh yeah that 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 elite eight matchup would be the battle of uh, futility wouldn't it yeah i mean who's (laughs) worse us or them Yeah. (laughs) yeah um uh, so I like that, and that I saw that earlier today. And Lenardi, I'm I'm for that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be for, if you said you could have that right now or a potential one seed, I would say give me that right now because I don't see any one seed with the two working out any better for us than that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. When you go down the list, you got UConn, and I think UConn is just on they another would, level. They,
4: UConn would dismantle us. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're on a different level. Arizona, I think, poses um, a lot of issues as well. I mean, they've got a dominant big. Um, down low with Balo, but they got some really yep. good shooters and really good guard play too. Um, and and uh, with with Pelle Larson, he's a guy that can shoot the yep. jeans off of it. Um, and I can't I can't remember one of their other guys. But then um, Houston, I think, is an interesting one. Um, I think Tennessee. I just would think not... they're
4: leaner and longer than we are. That's my problem. Is I think they would outrun us and outgun us ultimately. Well, they're better on defense than we are.
1: Yeah, they're they're better defensively, but I think they're middle of the class offensively. Um, so I think that'd be one of those kind of grudge match games. Now Tennessee has not been um, particularly great defensively as of late, um, which is kind of no, weird. They've been horrible yeah, this month. Which is it's kind of ironic that you know we've been asking for like five years for Tennessee's offense to get going, and now it finally does, and now the defense is the one that takes the drop. Um, but.
4: Well, it's because your best player can't play defense.
1: Yeah, well, and that attributes to it too. I and think he's also, not
4: even your worst defender that plays significant minutes. That's yeah, the scary that's, part. Yeah,
1: um, and I think also just the lack of uh, of kind of that punisher down low. Um, you know, we yep. had a, we had a caller yesterday talk about how impactful Euros was. Now,
4: yeah, I know that's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, we miss him, don't we? Yeah, a little bit. You just Little you, you, you kind of the attitude part. Well, just sure. the
1: attitude and that enforcer down low. Yeah, I think right. Adu um, and the, the word uh, I think it was Jordan yesterday called in and talked about it. Uh, Adu has a lot of finesse. Um, he's you know he has yeah, a lot he's of fin- a
4: finesse. Big man. Yeah,
1: has a lot of finesse around the rim. Can get some blocks as a shot blocker, but isn't like yeah. that imposing threat.
4: Right. He needs to come off the ball to block the shot, not yeah. be on the ball and block the shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, the other thing missing Euros does, I can't believe I'm even going to make a segue point to this, but, like, the other thing Euros did was he made Rick Barnes not have to get technicals. Yeah. Yeah. No, Rick Barnes yeah. has to get technicals because we don't have a guy go out there and yeah. either him. Yeah, This is my job. Should have gotten one you on know? Saturday. Yeah. That uh, was the best Euros I have, by the way.
1: I, that, I did like that. <laughs> hey, can you do that. Can you do that one more time?
4: I've been kidding. This is my job. <laughs> there we go. I like that. Uh, uh, but, you know, all kidding aside, guys, I, I, man, I would take that matchup right now. And I think that Tennessee, I do think that Tennessee's going to make a run this year. I just think we're going we're gonna to get unconscious at the right time. Um, but, man, Kansas getting just dismantled. Yeah. last night did you watch any of that
1: I, I watched uh almost the whole game I, I, I bet on Texas Tech at minus three and a half
4: oh really good uh, for you yeah. I actually took an end game for Kansas to come back and win money line <laughs> I, really? I thought I'd done it I thought I'd Ouch. scheduled it perfect it was when they were down 12 to 4 and I bet I bet the house yeah and then it was 12 to 12 and I was like look at what I did and then 29 points uh, yeah. unanswered or whatever later yeah um but I uh, you know my question to you and, I, and I'll hang up and listen with this How did they neutralize Hunter Dickinson like that? Was it just him not being able to make shots, or was it their defense on him? Because he looked like ass. Yeah, he. He he,
1: Yeah, I mean, to put it blank, he 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 did look. He looked like crap. Um, I think half of it is he's in a shooting slump because he even they gave him a couple shots from the perimeter. He airballed one of Mm. them. Um, and, and they're wanting a defender within the you know five ten feet of him, um, and also down low he just struggled with his touch. Uh, they did a really good job of fronting him and, and kind of being aggressive. They were uh, they had a couple foul calls go against um, Texas Tech, but also against Kansas because they were getting kind of physical with them, making him uncomfortable. So when he would get the post feed, um, he was not able to have that same position he's used to having on those touch shots. Um, he, they just threw him off his game. And even if he got the rebound, there was one possession uh, I talked about earlier um, where he got the rebound three or four times and would try to put it back up uh, but continue to miss because Texas Tech was just swarming him and and making him uncomfortable. And I think um, he just never was able to get in rhythm. And and that's something, as a home team in Texas Tech, that's what you have to do. You have to set the tone and throw the other team off, and especially their best player. Uh, They did that to a T last night. Big win for Texas Tech. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about what to know about Tennessee's baseball team opening the 2024 season right here on Overtime.
0: Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today
5: eBay Motors, here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all at affordable prices. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
6: I was afraid to cut the cord, but once I did, I couldn't believe it took so long to do it. Paying too much for my cable bill had become a bad habit. I either wasn't getting what I wanted or never knew where to find any of my favorite shows until it was too late. Plus, the prices just kept going up. Thankfully, I discovered a new way to watch called Philo. For just $25 a month, I can catch all my favorite shows on networks like BET, MTV, and TLC. It even has Nickelodeon for my kids. I can watch anytime I want, anywhere I want. Plus, Philo lets me have up to three streams at once, so everyone can watch what they want at the same time. Throw in the unlimited DVR that saves all my favorites for up to a year, and this really is the best deal in TV. I just wish I hadn't waited so long. Sound too good to be true? Well, try it out for yourself, and you'll see why people who love TV love Philo. Go to philo.tv, that's P-H-I-L-O otv TV and start your seven day free trial now.
1: Back here on Overtime on a Tuesday night. Great conversation in the first segment. Now let's move over to the baseballs. Just talk basketball. Let's move to the baseball vols. Um and Tennessee, baseball is back after a three-year run establishing the vols as one of the nation's best programs under Coach Tony V. Uh, UT has been to the College World Series twice in the past three seasons, while it won 57 games in 2022. The number 8 Vols opened the February 16th to 18th, um, I, I guess, open the season, I should say, February 16th to 18th, and the Shriners Children's Showdown in Arlington, Texas. Um, so let's move first into the Vols pitching. Um, Tennessee is replacing a lot of pitching production. But has Drew Beam to build its new staff around? Uh, the junior is one of the top returning starters in the nation. After going nine and four with a 3.63 ERA in 2023, and he will be joined in the rotation by sophomore AJ Russell, who was dominant or dominant as a reliever as a freshman last year. Um, Russell was two and zero with a, a .89 ERA in 30 in a third innings uh, with 47 strikeouts. Um, Drew Beam,
2: obviously the mainstay here. Mm-hmm. Um, but who else will, will be a factor? Who else could start? Well, it's going to be Russell, I think, for sure. Uh, incredible freshman campaign. You gave him a ton of postseason run as well. He got a, a ton of big innings. I believe was one of the ones that came in in that elimination game against LSU to help mm-hmm. kind of mop up what ended up being a losing effort. But he got a ton of big innings. Pitched a lot over the course of the NCAA tournament. So he, he's for sure ready to make the jump. Uh, got dominant stuff, big time command, a big time arm. He's going to be a nice piece alongside Beam. That's going to be a, you just rebuild the 1-2 punch cuz right. Beam stays in, you bring in a guy to replace Stolander and bam, you got your 1-2 punch back. Yeah. So I think Russell is probably your second starter. The third one's a little bit wide open. You can make an argument for Snead, the, the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. I think he may get some run early in the year. Maybe we'll see him this weekend mm-hmm. against some really good baseball teams, by the way, in Arlington. Right. Um, but other than that, I decided to go off the obvious. White Evans, I think, is an option. Coming off an injury, dominant fall camp. Doesn't look like he lost a step. He's got a ton of command, had a shutout in that fall camp. Could be a really nice, maybe a Sunday piece like Drew Beam was um, to, to come out and, and make a statement early in the year. Mm-hmm. The other one I have down is Xander Seacrest. Yeah. He is the two-year midweek starter for the Vols now uh, and has done well in those games. He, he's not a flamethrower. His high 80s fastball, low 90s. He, that's what he can touch, but uh, his stuff is insane. I mean, he's yeah. got about five different pitches that he uses. The curveball and the slider are wipeout, both of them. Uh, really performed well in midweek and and performed well out of the bullpen a few times as well. Mm -hmm. Another guy that Tony V opted to go to out of the bullpen just for experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, with a wide open spot, why not at least give him a look in in some of these early series to start a weekend, let him go five, six innings and see what he can do. Uh, he's got the stuff to do it we'll see if tony v gives him the nod but i like that just for experience and, and for the stuff he brings
3: yeah I, I do like russell at that two spot again beam's definitely gonna be your friday guy get out there get you uh the first win of the weekend uh, as much as you can russell uh again had a great freshman campaign uh now third it like you said it, it is kind of wide open I, I do like evans there uh secrets is also a viable option just because he's got uh, about every pitch you can use as a left-handed <laughs> guy. So, I mean, you throw that out there, you don't know what you're going to see. Uh, also, uh, just some experience from A.J. Causey coming in uh, yeah, that could I work. I mean, he, he was he was the Friday guy at Jacksonville State. Now, didn't put up crazy numbers, had a little over about or close to a 5 ERA, something like that, but he put together some, uh, some long games, his career long – outing was like seven innings last year. So he's been able to take it into late, uh, games, which is, I kind of feel like what this team needs from that starting role, uh, take the pressure off of that bullpen that, uh, has been really good these last few years. Uh, so I think Causey could come in there. I'm not sure if Snead will slide in there just because, uh, I, I think I read his longest outing in his career is only about three innings. Uh, so maybe,
2: Feels like he's gonna be your new Ben Joyce, right? Yeah, kinda sure. feels like it.
3: Yeah. Big big time arm out of the bullpen, but uh I, I do kinda of like Causey in that third spot, but Seacrest, I, I could really see him making an impact on a Sunday.
1: Yeah, I like Sneed and, and Causey two transfers. Sneed from Wichita State, mm-hmm. Causey from Jacksonville State. I wrote down Xander Seacrest. Um, as my returning option, 6-1 um, and one with a 1.95 ERA and 48 career appearances with 23 starts as a midweek starter. Um, he's probably my day three guy uh, going forward. Uh, another guy I looked at, though, Derek Schaefer. Um, yeah. a, a really hard-throwing uh, freshman, um, some nice off-speed offerings as well. Maybe he can get involved as well. Might be hard to climb up the totem pole, especially with some guys with some more experience in front of him, uh, but I think he was uh, worth mentioning as well. Um, so the infield is the most proven and obvious strength of the Vols entering the season. Uh, first baseman Blake Burke and middle, middle infielder Christian Moore are mainstays. Um, who will form the middle of the lineup, along with the third baseman, Billy Amick, um, who transferred from Clemson? Um, how important is this infield for the Vol success?
2: It's crucial for a few reasons. Number one is, this is your prime veteran group that's coming back. Yeah. These are the guys that have seen the most games, and the two of them, Moore and Burke, have seen the most games in Orange, so... Mm-hmm. You know, this is the group that's going to lead your team. Not only that, this is the meat of your order. This is where the bulk of your production is going to come from. These yeah. guys hitting two, three, four. Um, so you need them to go. Uh, you need them to, to to hit well and to get the offense going. Especially as some guys uh, like the outfielders that we're going to talk about in a minute that haven't been there as much, mm-hmm. uh, and and potentially you know, Antigua. And, and I'm not sure who's going to get to started short this weekend. But yeah. When Antigua gets back, right. Uh, as they start to find their way, you need these guys to go now uh, and start just producing some offense while these guys get settled in. Um, so. By by the time we reach conference play everybody's going everybody's on the same page defensively this is a really solid group that you're yeah. bringing back you bring in a mick to play on the hot corner he's got a lot of experience on the hot mm-hmm. corner from clemson Burke is going to stay at first. I, I think Moore is probably going to slide to second. I don't think they're going to put him at short. I know yeah, there's been maybe some discussion. To the year. Maybe. There's been some discussion with Antigua out if he would slide over. Um, but regardless, he get a lot of experience there. Great gloves. Should be another good unit this year. And then Antigua, it's a flashy glove when he gets mm-hmm. back. He, yeah. he can make really great plays up the middle. So I look forward to seeing what they bring defensively. If these guys go, the team goes. If they don't, the team doesn't. It's pretty yeah. simple.
3: Yeah, I, I think this is definitely the defensive crew that you want to keep an eye out the most for. Because out field usually takes care of itself. Uh, Usually if you get a couple guys that at least know what they're doing in the outfield, it can take care of itself. Uh, Middle infield is probably what I'm uh, most honed in on because, you know, you you get the big bats of uh, Amick and Burke still going to be there. Burke's a little iffy on the defensive side. I know we saw some weird games last year where he just kind of felt out of rhythm, Uh, but thankfully I know we've got Villanueva back up at first base who's got a... Cannon of a bat as well. I think he hit like 28 home runs last year at the JUCO level, so that could also be a piece uh, if if it came to it. simo has been pretty reliable in the infield, uh, but, again, it's Antigua, who, again, is a freshman uh, still coming off an injury in the offseason. So I'm really – Anxious to see how he gets uh, in regular season play. We've seen him in the fall, played really well. I'd like to see uh, more from his bat. I I think he could really grow there as well. Uh, But again, I'm 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 really excited about this outfield we're about to talk about.
1: Yeah, going off my theme of offense from last week. uh, You know, Burke bats. uh, You know, 280, 16 home runs, 43 RBIs. Uh, Christian Moore, 304, 17 homers, 50 RBIs. Um, And then Amick, I think, adds a lot as well. These are your guys that are going to be your bulk of your offense. Um, An all-ACC selection was Amick last year, 13 home runs, 63 RBIs in 46 games. I think those guys, as you said, kind of go – the team will kind of go how they go offensively and and what they can do um, defensively. Now, also, you mentioned something I want to touch on real quick um, at shortstop. Um, No Antigua um, available at least this weekend. He's still recovering from a hand injury – um, do we think Christian Moore will move over, um, or, or who's a guy that would that would fill that spot at, uh, at
2: shortstop? I'd have to look. I would think you'd probably go with Moore for a spot that's going to be that important. Uh, we still haven't gotten an official 100 percent roster yet, which is weird. Yeah, I, like I checked that earlier. I'm trying it's, to check. It, there's and like there's no freshman no on to there. Know. So, I'm not really 100% sure at this point because we just don't have any information. Um, But I imagine for the spot that important with a veteran guy like Moore, you probably just go ahead and slide him to short, I would think. Sure. Okay. Um,
1: Now let's move on to uh, let's talk about catcher um, and how important that position is. Uh, Tennessee needed to bolster the catcher position the offseason, and they did it perfectly. Um, UT landed Cannon Peebles, one of the elite portal additions nationally. Ah, uh, the switch hitting Peebles hit a 352 last year with 12 home runs, 50 RBIs, and 39 games at North Carolina State. Um, then backed it up with a stellar fall at UT. Um, how big of an
2: addition was Peebles? Man, this is massive. Number one, great catcher name, by the way. Cannon yes. Peebles yeah, is an yeah. incredible name for a catcher. <laughs> uh, but it's massive. No no strays to Chuck Taylor on this show by any means. I love him. Uh, great guy. Great, great addition to that team just in terms of a locker room kind of guy. But you needed a boost here. You needed a long-term guy, a guy that's going to start for you every day, or at least almost every day. Um, a guy that can boost the production at the plate and the production behind it, uh, and Peebles does both very well. He's got huge pop, huge mm-hmm. pop. Uh, he can he can really slug the baseball. He's probably going to slide in. I would think at, at fifth in the lineup behind your meat of the order, Burke Moore and, and Amick. Which man is if that's a two through five punch? I like. It. I don't. Yeah, I don't know anybody in the, in the country yeah. that has a better two through five punch than that. Uh, it's going to be an explosive lineup. But you need a guy that's also going to get behind the plate and call a good game play some good defense, keep pitchers wound down, if you will, in big moments. I think he works well for that as well. Uh, he can steady the ship in some of these big moments where we've seen the balls kind of unravel a little bit in the mm-hmm. bigger games. Uh, maybe Peebles provides a boost. He can help you stay in those games.
3: Yeah, Peebles. I, the most important thing here is definitely that bat because I mean it felt like over this last year uh, with with Chuck Taylor back there. I, I hate to throw a stray after you said no strays, but I mean it was almost like an automatic out. You could go ahead and mark it down. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean we saw it originally in. Uh, postseason play in 2022, whenever we were without Evan Russell for a couple games Mm -hmm. uh, in that little series. And uh, it showed, and it it ran over into this season, which, I mean, uh, much better than Evan Russell behind the plate for sure. Uh, But just his bat in the lineup just kind of – put dents in this team but uh being able to round it out with a guy that hit what like 350 last year or something like that uh and and put together big time pop like you said that's really big for uh the offensive side of things and i mean he's well rounded on defense he can do just he can do as well if not better than chuck taylor i I thought he did pretty good but i mean if if you get a young guy out there uh that's going to make an instant impact on both sides of the ball i I like that better than just being a little bit one-sided
1: yeah, I think this is huge. Uh, Peebles was a home run hit, no pun intended, yeah. um, and I think he'll be very, very vital, especially offensively and at catcher. Um, but you talk about that two through five punch. I mean, that, that's something that could um, be a weapon mm. and, and something that puts you, um, you know, get, gets you off to a hot start and also um, can, you know, help save a game if it comes to it. I think that's a great lineup, and um, I think Peebles was a huge addition. Um, Tennessee's outfield, however, is a little bit unproven, um, but it's, it's exciting and, and crowded. Um, senior Hunter Inslee, um, who batted .287 home mm-hmm. runs, 31 RBIs, emerged in center field as, and, and returns as a starter. Uh, sophomore Dylan Drilling, um bats .295, um, 7 homers, 20 RBIs. And redshirt sophomore kavaris Tears, uh, 304, 2 homers, 11 RBIs, are the likely starters in left field and right field, respectively. Um, what can we expect from the Vols' outfield?
2: I'm hoping a big step forward. Uh, these are all guys that have shown flashes, especially Inslee, obviously kind of thrust into a, a starting role at later part of last season. But all guys that have had time to develop, at least they've all had a year now. Uh, tears has now had a year in this system. I've been really high on Cavaris tears since he got yeah. on campus. The pop off his bat is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, when you when you see him get a hold of one, um, they're all three guys that can hit well. They're electric guys too, guys that can steal bases. All three of them, guys that can just give you a pop in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you figure probably one of them is going to slide in the top of the lineup this weekend. I would figure to start the year while Antigua is out. Um, but if once they slot to the bottom of the order, guys that can keep you going. If they can hit even you know, 290, 300, I and mean, that's better than we've gotten out of the bottom of the lineup, it's been a problem for all three years. As good as this team has been, the bottom of the order, again, no strays, has not been good yeah, yeah. Uh, at all. Uh, you, you basically guarantee that you're going to get back to the top of the order and not have produced much. Mm. Um, so you need guys that are going to go down there, and, and you can rely on them a little bit. The two through five guys get on, hey, we need you to step up and get a hit. Uh, and I think these guys can do that and in the field they're gonna be electric ensley already showed it last year a couple big Flashy. plays I, I think he had was it in the southern miss series that he ran the one down in center field up against the wall I think so goodness I mean that guy's gonna be awesome yeah. in center field the other two also had flashes tears has a heck of an arm as well mm-hmm. he's a cannon uh and to be playing right field uh, with with how short Lindsey nelson is I love yeah. I love the yeah. a guy with the big arm is out there so just hoping for a big step forward.
3: Oh yeah, definitely, uh, especially on the defensive side. Just since we haven't seen much of them in the defensive side of things, we've seen them thrown in uh, as pinch hitters. I mean, we saw Dryling uh, keep us in the game against Vandy down yeah. with two strikes and two outs late in the game. Put us. Both of those guys hit homers in that last or in that ninth inning to get they us did. tied, push us to overs, and uh, get Griffin Merritt to put us out of it. But. Uh, you know, on the defensive side, that's probably the one spot I'm a little interested in just because, again, they haven't been out there too much. Uh, they do have some speed out there. I, th- I think Dryling can get around a little bit, the question mark, a little bit with Tears uh, just because he he brings a big bat, and usually with big bat, you're not too quick. Uh, but but I, I think he can roll over that. Uh, just a little bit worried, again, on the defensive side. That's it.
1: Tears is the guy I'm most looking forward to this year. Right. I think. Uh, at least last year, I wanted him to get a couple more opportunities. I did too. Now, obviously, yeah. uh, a very crowded, uh, a crowded roster. But yeah. um, you know, uh, even even last year, he didn't have the big moments that we thought he we we thought he could do and know that he's capable of. Right. Um, but he's got a big back can really be really big in the lineup, and also as you mentioned, a big arm. He's a big dude, strong dude. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Um, so I think he he's kind of a guy I'm lo- looking out for this year, and and think that. Um, that outfield could be um, kind of uh, a product of how good he is this season. Um, so that's a guy I'm looking for um, this season. Vols open the season this weekend in the Shiner's Children's Showdown in Arlington, Texas. Looking forward to seeing our baseballs on the diamond. And we come back, we'll give our best bets of the night. Stay right here on Overtime.
6: Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. This
2: past high noon, it's time for a vodka soda made with a vodka you've actually heard of. I'm talking White Claw Vodka Soda made with White Claw Premium
5: Vodka. J.B. Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world. Smooth as fuck. And you can, too. Pick you up a bottle of the triple-wave filtered vodka that's been distilled five times. White Claw Premium Vodka comes in four flavors. Black cherry, mango, pineapple, and just vodka. You haven't had vodka like this. No one has. White Claw Premium Vodka. Please drink responsibly. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz. A compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice-activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes, or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes, this vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer, or learn more at MBUSA.com EQB. That's MBUSA.com EQB
4: Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com.
1: Back here on Overtime, time for our best bets of the night. And we begin with uh, Providence Moneyline for me. Now, this is something I got at plus odds on DraftKings. They're doing a 50% prof- profit boost if you want to get involved on that as well. Um, but um, I've got Providence Moneyline. Over the last five seasons, the Friars are 36-23 and 23 against the spread at home, uh, third best among power conference programs in that span. Um, And when the game is between two relatively even match clubs, these are both teams on the bubble. Providence has responded in the last five years when playing as the home team in the game where the spread is between 5.5 or plus 5.5, The Friars are 24 and 8, a winning percentage of 75%.
2: Give me the Friars at home, Kim English. I'm trusting in you. Marquette minus four and a half tonight on the road at Butler. They got to get their get back. Butler beat them at their place a couple weeks ago. Marquette, I don't believe I looked correctly, has not lost a conference game since that loss a month ago to Butler. So they're they're on a a whole different wavelength now. Shaka Smart's got them playing really great basketball. A revenge spot here against Butler on the road. A scrappy team, but Marquette's going to overpower them tonight. I like Marquette minus four and a half.
3: I'm gonna jump to the NBA first. I've got Lakers minus ten and a half against the Pistons. It's Spencer Dinwiddie's debut as a oh. Laker. Really excited to see him come <laughs> in. Uh, I, I can't. I can't tell you how excited I am to have uh, just you know veteran presence and depth added to this team that's already got a decent amount of that. Uh, I think that just adds to how much I'm excited about it. I guess. Uh, and with Cam Reddish out tonight, I, I think he adds, uh, or he's gonna take a. Prominent role uh, coming off the bench tonight. Really excited there. Minus 10.5 against a not great Pistons team.
1: All right. I'm backing one of the hottest teams in college basketball right now. That's Iowa State, plus 1.5. Uh, the Cyclones are every bit of a top top 10 team and are in the driver's seat in the Big 12 race right now. Uh, Taman Lipsy is playing as well as any other point guard in the conference. He's a guy that I think is vital to this ISU offense. Um, I'm taking the Cyclones tonight. think they're going to make, make it very difficult for Cincinnati to score, limit the Bearcats to one shot per trip.
2: Um, this is a very hot Cyclones team. I'm going to take them plus one and a half tonight. Uh, I'm going to take Virginia minus six and a half at home against Pittsburgh. This is a very sneaky good Virginia team. Uh, not not a ton of publicity around the around the Hoos right now. They're playing great basketball. All of a sudden they've sneaked back into the top twenty-five. They look like a very good team. They destroyed Miami a couple weeks ago and held them to I think thirty-eight points, which. In college basketball, especially in power conference, college basketball is a ridiculous number. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're on several straight conference wins. They play a pit team that's good but not great, uh, not anything special, and they get them on home floor uh, with how tough it is to win on the road in college basketball. Uh, I like the Cavs there behind their guard duo Reese <coughs> Beekman and uh, Isaac McNeely, who combined average 25 a game for the Cavs give me Virginia, minus 6.5.
3: I've got UNC minus 7.5 at Syracuse tonight. They've had back-to-back kind of not great games, lost that one at home to Clemson by four, uh, went on the road and beat uh, Miami by three. Uh, Again, not playing too great right now, but I think this is a great time to bounce back, especially off a road win, uh, and and especially against a not very good Syracuse team.
1: Uh, My final bet is Oklahoma plus 7. Um, this is a against a Baylor team on the road, uh, Oklahoma is um, Oklahoma at Baylor, I should say, Oklahoma plus seven. Um, Baylor coming off an embarrassing loss um, over the over the weekend uh, where they had like 20 something turnovers, very uncharacteristic game for them. Yeah. Um, but Oklahoma doesn't go down easily. They're very good defensively. Um, they don't take bad shots when they're trying to close a gap. Um, and this is one of these rivalry games. I, I think Oklahoma keeps it close. I think seven's
2: just a little too much for Baylor to lay. I'm going to take the points here for Oklahoma. Last one for me is Thunder, minus 2.5 on the road against the Orlando Magic, Oklahoma City. Pick it up, picked up a couple veteran pieces at the trade deadline last week, established themselves as a playoff contender over the past several weeks, but now they've got those guys that can help them build for a push. Uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander is playing the best basketball of his life. I think right now this is best season by far, uh, and they're looking as good as ever. They're on a great streak, coming off a win against the Kings double-by-double double digits. Magic are good. They're sneaky. They're weird. They can beat good teams, yeah. especially at home for some reason, but at only two and a half, I-, I like Oklahoma City tonight. All right, and those are our best bets of the night. Uh, Providence plus
1: 120 if you use a profit boost or just money line uh, in general. um, Iowa
2: State plus one and a half. Oklahoma plus seven. My three best bets, Dawson. Mine are Marquette minus four and a half. Virginia minus six and a half. Thunder minus two and a
3: half. And I've got Lakers minus ten and a half. And North Carolina minus seven and a half.
2: All right. Those are our best bets of the night. Stay
1: right here on the other side of the hour as we talk about the 2023-24 NFL season recap. Stay right here on Overtime.